This is Golden Nuggets Podcast on whynow.co.uk. I'm your host, Al, and I'm a PE teacher of 15 years. This podcast is about interviewing key influencers in education and giving them a platform to deliver their story. I want to explore why and how they do what they do to better inform parents and pupils on their education journey. Welcome back to the Golden Nuggets podcast and today I'm talking to Warren Abrahams on the purpose of coaching beyond the game. Welcome Warren and let's get straight into it. Yeah, so so if, if I give you a quick snapshot of sort of my backstory, um, obviously from, from South Africa, as you can probably tell by the accent, so grew up in Cape Town, um, grew up in a very interesting era. Um, which I'm very, very grateful for. Um, but yeah, that's sort of where the, where the, where the journey started for me. Um, I come from a family where uh, n- not very well off, but my parents was exceptional in terms of how they, they, they based on their experiences and how they sort of educated us, um, as uh, for me and my brother in particular, who, who sort of had a little bit of a taste of of, of the apartheid era. Um, and um, so that was sort of never discussed in our household. It was always about the future for us. So their philosophy was based around, um, based around <clears throat> they've experienced uh, those challenges and all the adversity they had to face uh, for us, it was we were never part of the struggle. It was always about how we can go and go and be better, and how we can perhaps influence and change the world. So those uh, um, negative stuff was never discussed. It always the 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 good learning bits they they gained from that, and so they sort of installed that level of humility into us so um let's let's discuss some of those challenges though because i think for the listeners that it'd be quite interesting to get to know about what it was like actually in south africa at that time yeah so it was quite interesting obviously i was born in 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 1983 so i i've I've experienced a uh, a little bit of it from 83 to probably 94 95 you could probably say when we sort of um, 94s when everything ended and we sort of opened and expand uh, um, um, things. But there, there was lo- loads of little challenges in terms of, um, yeah, I'm trying to think back and I've tried to reflect on this. Um, so the sort of world I grew up in back then was, um, so you, you were never, you obviously never engage or interacted with white people, so I'm I'm trying to re- recall those memories in terms of when did I actually make my first human contact with a with a white person per se, um, and I, I just I, I just can't can't recall that memory. So obviously at that stage, being that young person, you were just exposed to to that world, and that world was all obviously just with the people of, of your colour um, w- within those areas. And I remember, um, so my dad worked at, uh, well, the second biggest correctional services in South Africa is actually where Nelson Mandela went from from uh, Robben Island to Polesmore Correctional Services. And we lived on the premises because dad was, was a warden there. Um, and we lived on top of the hill. 
<laughs> so it was it was fascinating. I, I sometimes still still go back there. Obviously, it's changed, and um, the whole sort of setup is, is completely different. And they demolished that that particular area. But we lived on the top of the hill, and the white people lived on the bottom of the hill. Bear in mind, Dad is working in exactly the same prison. Um, obviously, back in those days, yeah. To, to, obviously, you were constrained by where you can go and how you can go. Um, <clears throat> what, what, yeah, did so, that, what did that? What did that look like? Like where you can go and can't go. Like what, how did that even work? Yeah, so it was uh, like, like for instance, one of the one of the. It, it, it sounds simple, but it's actually a really big thing. So we went to obviously schools of color, um, and and white people went to their their school. So within this area, the, the buses would come and collect you and you'd jump into the bus of colour and that bus will take you to, to your school and the white people will jump in their bus and they'll take them to their school. And I was just fascinated cause, fascinating because we were at, at the top of this hill. It was sort of, that's what I can remember. And we would never go down to the other side because obviously we were not allowed to go down to the other side so that was a gated community and we were at the top and we didn't have a gated community um which was which was bizarre back in back in those days um but obviously for me i didn't know any any different um purely be yeah, something which i'm probably very grateful for as well because um just in sort of how we were were brought up because i remember um obviously growing up as a as a teenager there was a very very much some of my friends was very much anti um especially post apartheid anti white if you can you can put it in that way like i uh, one of my one of the things that sort of stood out for me in in 2004 i was lucky enough to get a scholarship to Stellenbosch University through rugby and I turned up on, on this with this scholarship and I was put in a house with with twelve other people of colour <laughs> which was absolutely bizarre at this stage. This is in two thousand and three. Purely because the university recognized that they had to um sort of transformation was a big thing. They had to um, um, start their process of transformation because Stellenbosch was a, traditionally a very white Afrikaans uh, uh, university. and But it was bizarre. I turned up on a scholarship and they put us all in the same house. And and in that in that moment in time, you go, geez, this is, I've got a great opportunity here to get education, but I'm also um, ticking a box for this particular university because they putting all these people of colour in the same house so they can show that, um, and of course show that they um, are ticking the transformation box, but uh, the whole concept around it is was pretty pretty upsetting and very upsetting for some of the guys who was in that. And that's sort of when I, when I realised how lucky I was in terms of how the values that mom and dad instilled in us, because most of these guys was anti the opportunity. Although they were there and had a great opportunity, because that's always how I look at look at um, op- uh, life uh, in general, is 
I had this great opportunity to gain this um, education, although it was um, based around this concept. These guys were angry. They were, they were so annoyed that they didn't want to be there. And I was sort of encouraging them go, look, this is one part of it, but whatever you think about this situation, you'll walk away with, yeah, with an education. And some of us might not be lucky to, to ever have the parents or, or I, I, my, pa my parents could definitely not afford to send me to university. Um, so I was grateful for the opportunity. But, but those were sort of the, the bizarre little stuff that I had to face in, in those early parts. I remember going to, in 1995 it was, when they opened uh, schools to all, all, um, <clears throat> all races. Um, me and my brother was the first two people of color to go to this school. So imagine you're in this school where there's nearly 3,000 kids and there's only, so it was, we were two sets of brothers. So it was me and my brother. Um, we were only very young, obviously, at the time, and another set of, of brothers. Um, so basically four people out of nearly 3,000 kids in that school um, was people of colour. So you can imagine how, um, how we must have felt, but same, at the same time how the other 2,000 and whatever number... <laughs> Um, <laughs> 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 must have felt exactly in that moment based on how they were exposed to their world versus how we are exposed to, to our world. But in, in, this, in the middle was this thing sort of called rugby that I was lucky enough to, <laughs> to, to be, be, be reasonably good at and that sort of opened up doors and connected us uh, or exposed us to this whole different different world so so yeah that sort of so obviously grew up in in Cape Town in South Africa spent most of my um, my youth I think I, I left South Africa at 24 or when I eventually got an opportunity so uh, born and raised in South Africa so my blood is green as they would say if you refer to the springbok um, but I lived most of my adult life um, I've I've lived most of my adult life in England, so uh, I'm I'm a plastic Brit. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, and you still you still must be liking it then. You're still there, so you must you must enjoy it a bit. Yeah, I, I, I love it, especially with if you think about the recent the recent World Cup finals. Um, uh, I was great. I could pick and choose who I was going to support, but deep down, <laughs> I knew South Africa had to win it. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't be welcome when I go back home. Um, but yeah, so so grew up back there. Very grateful for my childhood because um, uh, that that sort of sort of lessons, life lessons I learned through through that journey. You've had um, you've had you've had quite a, um, a distinguished career there in terms of from a coaching perspective as well as a playing perspective. Just tell me quickly, like the things you know, a couple of lines of what you've actually done. So the listeners can know, right, this is what... I mean, you're a very humble bloke, Warren, but you have achieved some fantastic things. And I think it's good for the listeners to know where you've actually worked at and what you've done, so... Yeah, so uh, again, again, lucky for these and uh, uh, lucky for these opportunities. So I was... Um, I had with Harlequins for eight years, um, quite... Yeah, I, when I started with Harlequins, I started as a community coach. I had to work my up, my way up to get into their elite environment, and 
like to think I was pretty successful there. Spent two years coaching the Lithuanian national team. Uh, four and a half years under Simon Amor with with England Sevens. Um, had a great great opportunity to help Germany um, try and push for the for the Olympics or help with their Olympic campaign um, uh, or the Olympic qualifier campaign. Um, and then now currently with USA uh, women's um, obviously prep, prep, prepping for the for the upcoming Olympics at the minute. So um, yeah, grateful to be exposed to these um, amazing environments. Um, and from all those environments, I learned some incredible lessons. Uh, but probably my greatest achievement was back in South Africa when I started my coaching coaching career uh, with a club called Turbanville Belleville, um, one of the top clubs in, in, in Cape Town. And that's where I started um, uh, 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 a disadvantaged rugby development program or rugby academy as they are known now uh, where I had all those disadvantaged schools and I, 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 I made my own teams and we were pretty successful and that's probably my greatest rugby rugby achievement or coaching um, achievement coaching <laughs> achievement it's um, you sort of we touch on some influences you mentioned your parents and stuff and you mentioned the values that they gave you Um is there anyone else, I mean, what are those values to start off with that your parents gave you? And also, who else throughout your career has influenced you? And any sort of funny stories with that? Yeah, I'd say, it's not quite funny stories, I would say, but it is, it is influential moments in, in definitely in my life. Um, so I live by sort of four principles, um, which is humility and add humbleness and, and, um, if you want to expand on humility, was uh, uh, so 1995 was a great moment for me. So 90, the moment when Nelson Mandela handed over the the Rugby World Cup trophy to Francois Pina, that's a moment that created a dream. That's a moment that sort of would forever inspire me in my life and inspire 66 million South Africans and inspire millions of people across the world. Because that's the moment when, when, when South Africa reunited and, and with creating a dream, it, 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 I forever from that day, I started chasing this dream of becoming a Springbok rugby player or coaching South Africa. Um, so it gave me a purpose. Um, but also the, the most important thing with that humility, it was also this guy who's, who's, who's a great hero of mine who spent 27 years in prison, um, but he was, still, he was still fighting for what was known back then as a white sport rugby. It was a white Africana game, but he's the guy who's still uniting, um, uniting us through this sport. So um, it, 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 it's, it's a moment that I'm, I'm forever grateful for. It's a moment that sort of gave me, gave me a pathway. Um, I mean, at that stage, I had no concept of what coaching was, um, but I knew um, that moment would would give me an opportunity to go and, and, and try and ex- inspire the, the whole world with the way I, I operate. So that, that for me was a, was, was a great, great moment. And I've got this performance picture that, that always sits on my desk because um, it reminds me where I come from and it reminds me about my journey. Um, and it, it brings all those, those great childhood memories back. Um, another guy who was massive for me back, back in, in, 
in those early days was a fella called Pierre Rubens. Uh, he probably doesn't even know it. Um, he was he was my coach um, at my club team. A pretty successful rugby player in South Africa as well. But uh, was a, wasn't a great coach. <laughs> now, if I think about coaching the way I see coaching now, uh, wasn't the, the best coach from a, a tactical or technical point of view. Uh, but. He was a great person. He he understood how to get the best out of you. And he made me feel, in a way, he made me feel invincible back in those days. Uh, so he installed this feeling where you would almost do every anything for the guy. But um, <clears throat> he he used to he used to use words where you'd go to me just before games. You'd have this big team talk, um, and it would go, "You just bring the magic." And I had no concept at the time what, what that meant. <laughs> but he'd go, you just bring the magic. And those words would just sit there with me. And all I wanted to do is bring this level of, of, of magic, whether this was uh, the right decision or wrong decisions. He backed me 100%. He used to say it, he'd, he'd have these strategic, as you can imagine, South Africa, very structured conversations with, with the whole team. And then he'd go, Warren, you can do whatever you want to do from the back. <laughs> <laughs> I would fall back because I, I could not, I could not fit into. I, I, I back then, I, I, my head was. I, I could see things that I wanted to exploit, and so I was, I was never sitting into his, his, his uh, playing style, if you. But he knew how to get the best out of me, and the most important thing is that feeling that. That feeling he gave me, not the way, so now as I understand more about brain profiling and, and how you engage the whole brain, he, and I sort of used this phrase, so he made me feel the way I needed to feel, not the way he wanted me to feel. So within my coaching, that's sort of how I, I, I look at trying to make people better because um, I've experienced that that feeling. So how can I get them to feel the best they can possibly feel. I don't always get it right because we made a lot of lot of mistakes as coaches. Um, but I want to get there as close as a, as I can possibly. So yeah, he had a, he had a big influence there. Um, and then a little bit sad about so two significant periods. Um, so uh, so one was I, I was stuck over here. So just in in process of applying for my British citizenship send my passport away um and um in that period as well my 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 sister passed away in south africa um and i was stuck over here i couldn't get the stuff back in time um to be able to go go over there um so yeah it was a it, it was a tough one at the time to take um but obviously try to support the family as much as I can. But uh, probably one of the the hardest lessons I sort of learned there, we were, she was my half sister. So uh, perhaps the relationship wasn't as great um, uh, as, as it could have been. So um, so if I think back and I reflect on that time and, and even now within the, the coaching side, I look at, um, understanding this relationship concept um, again, we don't always get it right, but the importance of of having that strong human connection and 
Yeah, so that was a pretty tough one for me. Did I find out everything about her world that I could have could have found out? I probably didn't do as much as I uh, I could do um, within those times. So yeah, that was a pretty sad time, and it was a hard hard one to take because I, I I wasn't around to obviously living over here, and um, yeah, you couldn't influence. She was in a in an environment that wasn't great. From lived in the Cape Flats, which is notoriously known for for a very rough, uh, disadvantaged community that's um, rifled with gangs and uh, and stuff like that. So, so she was exposed to not the greatest start, um, not the greatest start for her kids as well, um, which I couldn't influence, which which, which breaks you. Um, but you try as hard as you can possibly can. So. Yeah, that was a tough one around relationships. Um, How do you think that's affected your coaching style with... I mean, we, you've talked about coaching beyond the game and you talk about head-down coaching. And and how much emphasis do you put on relationships when you coach? Yeah, it's, it's for, for me, it's big. It's, it's like, like I said, uh, with the... The last reference with my with my coach, uh, how he made me feel, was the impor- important thing. And for me, that's that's a massive part. It's it's a lot of times we as coaches we um, uh, we get fixated on the tactical and the technical stuff of the game, um, but there's more to the game it's it's everything is is beyond the game for me so if i can because if you think about rugby or sport in general it's just a small part um of who we are as people um i mean you can just look at this current pandemic we we're currently facing it's taken away from us so now we've got to be creative um in terms of of for instance, how you connect on a daily basis with your family because they're the only people that's there and, and and around you consistently. And that's sort of big principle that I take in with, with my coaching. How well do I understand their story? I always use this analogy of a coffee bean. Um, so I always, when I, when I um, develop coaches or I... I try and share different types of stories. I use this analogy of a coffee bean. So if you think about this beautiful cappuccino that you drink on a daily basis um, and you sit back and you go, actually, where did this bean come from? Where was this bean harvest? What was the journey? What was the route? How did it look? How did it get to this beautiful cappuccino? So the more we start looking at that, and, and, and especially as a young coach and working with a lot of young people and in elite players as well, there's more to them than, this, than just this game. So I have to understand um, what is providing that intrinsic motivations what's their backstory how and once I know that then I can maximize that human potential beyond the game which is ultimately going to make them a better person which is ultimately going to make them a better player player on the field so yeah very much um sort of big on on I want to know a little bit more um about that human human being um rewinding just Rewinding just quickly on that coach that you mentioned, say, Warren, you just do the magic. What I, I want to know what the magic is. 
What was your magic there? Was it was it stuff that you said to people, or was it how, your relationships on the pitch, or was it your ability to, well, you know, technically, was it your ability to run round people? What what was it about that really struck home for you about use your magic? What was your superpower? Yeah, and that that's the interesting thing. So the more I think about it, we've actually never sat down and and had that conversation where I go when you sort of gave me this stuff. What were you? What were you thinking at the 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 moment in time? I think it's it's perhaps it was just the way I sort of viewed the game. I was never a a, a big speaker when I do say something. Um, I was very shy as well because um, <laughs> you were surrounded by by these big um, uh, most of the time very very good rugby players that that was playing playing around you and and. Um, a lot of alpha males within that. So I, I never spoke a lot, but I would, um, when I do say something, I, I would have hoped it was very impactful. But I think my my relationship with relationships with the guys on the field uh, must have been 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 pretty helpful. Um, and then probably the way I just played the game, I I I'm. I was big risk taker, and I'm still a very big risk taker today. So. Uh, I would have taught all those, uh, all those stuff that um, he was observing. All all those stuff, but probably the the most important thing I would have thought is I did perhaps not the opposite that that he wanted, but I was playing um, the game slightly different than the stereotypical game. If you if, if if that makes sense in terms of probably more solving things in a different way than than what all the other guys were were trying to do perhaps around me. I mean, you you're quite listen to some of the other pods you've done. You're quite abstract with the way you think, which is maybe what's drawn me to your sort of infectious nature of positivity. And things that have stuck to me have been like be the lion, uh, be the eagle. Um, You've put knowing where the coffee bean come from. We, we talked about that. Give a man a fish and feed him for a day. Teach a man how to fish, feed him for a lifetime. That these are quite powerful phrases. Can you can you go through what each of those actually mean and where they've come from? Maybe start with the eagle <laughs> or the lion. Yeah, that I, lo- is, uh... I love it, mate. It's great. <laughs> yeah. So. Um... Where do they come from? And and they come on this journey as I evolve and as I grow and as I mature and as I um, perhaps think about things differently. Um, so uh, with the, the lion concept was always about if you sort of watch a lion in the wild, um, he just sits there and you observe. You observe, but he understands the whole picture. He, he, he knows everything that, that's going on around him um obviously he is a powerful animal within his within his kingdom as well but most important most importantly when there's an opportunity he's on it and and most of the time he's gonna take that opportunity with both hands um so they, those are like powerful ones for me so when i when i use this one with coaches for instance it's very much um you know, as coaches, we're sometimes very ego-driven. It's always about our voice. It's always about 
bad, bad. Well, we know we know the game in this in this particular way, and it's uh, this is how you have to play, and and all the jargon people come up these days. I was always say to them, sit back, observe, see the game, see the game with the with a different lens, and observe the good stuff. So Nelson Mandela was all, always talked about finding the good in people. Now, as coaches, it's very easy to fault correct. That's the easiest thing we can do as a coach. But we sit back and we observe and we perhaps try and find the, the cool stuff that's happening within that moment. Um, and then, bam, when you intervene, it's powerful. Um, it is positive. It is impactful and it can change the way people think so that's sort of how I I, I, I I try and use that that analogy uh, within them um, and then yeah I hope that that explained explained it a little yeah bit. that's the, the lion one um, I, I suppose we branch on your philosophy um, I won't I won't say it for you because <laughs> I've read about it but if you could expand on that play philosophy that you use yeah so it's always so. I think in in <laughs> the the important way to sort of look at it. If you so, my philosophy, is, my why is to inspire and develop people. That's ultimately why I coach, um, and and that philosophy has evolved over the years in in different ways, from sentences to paragraphs to single words to whatever it might be. And it it's it's always about. Um, <clears throat> about that um, sort of inspire and develop people that's sort of where I settled and that's ultimately my why um, and and within that if you look at coaching for potential sort of my coach consultancy uh, business it's it's as it says on the turn it's 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 about coaching for potential it's about maximizing human potential and the four within that is about Honesty, humility, family, and creativity, and these are the principles that ultimately drive me. Um, and that sits underneath. That is the sort of play concept. What is what I feel, and and how I look back at my journey, and how I grew up as a as as a childhood, and how we develop stuff, and to where I am right now at this moment of time. I see and I recognize the benefit of play so play learn grow is is a big powerful one for me i feel the more we are playful and that playful could be in in various different things um i always say uh, connect with your inner child my missus will definitely say i'm very immature sometimes <laughs> if not most of the time um but the more playful you can make stuff because because this is where we revel this is where we um um because within this playful approach sits innovation and curiosity. This is where we get excited about. You can just now, in this period, you can just go on social media and see how much playful stuff people are posting because they are forced to be more playful. So if I can have this element within my coaching regular from how I set up meetings, from how I deliver stuff, um, um, and get people to reconnect with this childhood. So I remember uh, as a young fellow, we did everything from Wimbledon in the street with a wooden bat from cricket 
test matches um, with tennis ball and we used to tape, we used to put a little bit of water in the tennis ball and then we used to tape it up with a little bit of duct tape because that will give us a little bit of swing and bounce and and a lot of a variety and then we'd play for hours, we'd play hours, touch rugby, football, whatever. But we had to be creative with these type of, type of games we sort of did. Um, across our journey and it's about digging back into those paths and going finding those creative ways of making people better because I, I i and you you know about this if you if you sit there um and you're very prescriptive with how you prescribe people it's got a small level of learning transfer but the more uh they have to engage the whole brain uh the more they start seeing the world differently um and that's where they learn, that's where they're growing, that's where they're developing as people. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so there, it's very much about putting them in this various different spaces from a, from a very playful approach um, to ultimate max, ultimately maximize learning. And within that learning, we'll grow as humans and we'll ultimately get better. And that's sort of the, the philosophy I've been enjoying some of your time. posts, actually, your uh, Instagram posts <laughs> with, with your little girl. And you, you've been dressing up um, with various masks and stuff and trying to... <laughs> I don't know if it's been sort of like whatever it's been. It's been like a theme that you're like some warrior or, or scare, you know, to surprise you. Yeah, it's so very- it, yeah, again, it's just... It's obviously, it's entertainment for her. But uh, again, we're playing and hopefully she's learning some some cool lessons uh, throughout it. Um, yesterday we were doing some backflips in the garden. Um, and you know what kids are like, they are copycats and, and she was doing all sorts of movements. But um, yeah, so a, a guy like Richard Cheatham would, would, would talk a lot about um, this concept of how we use these fundamentals that people use on a daily basis, but without them even knowing it's, it's playful or it's very creative. So yeah, that's sort of, that's definitely shaped my thinking. So I'm sure it will, it will sort of transfer through my generation, hopefully. (laughs) And you've got, you've also got like your, which I suppose overlaps with your three B's as well. Um, You, you sort of mentioned about being curious, which you've already said, but also about being vulnerable and purposeful. Um, Vulnerability, if you were to expand on, why vun- being vulnerable is is an important trait for you? Yeah, it's a, it's a big one they throw out there these days, isn't it? Especially in the coaching world, um, it's it's being vulnerable constantly. Um, so yeah, I suppose the way I look at it is um, we are in a business of, or whatever business you are, whether you're coaching, whether you're teaching, whether you it's whatever it might be. Um, or you're just in a business world, um, it is, we want to ultimately make people better. And I think most of the time we are afraid of being afraid. So that limits us. And so what I mean by that is we got to put ourselves, because when you want to make people better, it ultimately starts with yourself. Again, I always reference Nelson Mandela, the guy sat in in Robben Island for 27 years. Uh, one of his wardens um, one day, uh, and, and 
I might not do just this reference justice, but one of the things I read in his book is this warden was very rude to him on this particular day. Um, and within that, in that moment, he sort of, he, he said to the guy, look, one day I'll be standing on the other side. Just left him with those words, which is powerful words. Um, so if you think about what the guy actually did and how he reunited the nation and how he inspired us, who um, inspired the whole world, there was a high level of vulnerability within his thinking at the time. So what he was doing, um, especially if you use rugby within South Africa, um, he... He knew through rugby he's going to unite the nation. His comrades, as they were known, was against it. But the level of vulnerability Nelson showed in those moments to stick with his guts and actually go and meet the white people, as they were referred to back then, and went through this, this vehicle, this rugby as a vehicle to bring the nation together and and actually unite this. He knew he had to show a high level of, of vulnerability, but he also knew he had to change the way he was thinking. He had to get himself better to be able to, to make the rest of the world better. And again, so when I think about vulnerability, I think about how I can put myself in situations where I can go and perform to the best of my ability where people can learn from from me within the coaching and that might mean I'm standing in front of the group and I go I got that wrong that might be that I I um, put myself in uncomfortable situations where I have to upskill myself to be able to come and make this group of players better so it's got different layers of that level of vulnerability but for all of us if we want to ultimately go and go and um, push people and push the teams you work with and push the 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 people you engage with um, in a direction where they have to constantly improve. We have to put ourselves in that uncomfortable space. And that's the, when I talk about that vulnerability, that's the level of vulnerability required to be able to take your teams to a new level, to be able to take your business to a new level. Because we can't sit still. We can't sit in one one spot because then we'll we'll never progress. We'll never we'll never get better. Um, <clears throat> and you, you got to be comfortable with failing. Um, and some, like I said, we're always afraid of failing. Fail if you 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 fail hard, you learn fast. Uh, that's sort of how I how I look at it. But it's yeah. So you can dress this vulnerability up in in whatever way you want to, but you got to put yourself in a position where people can recognize that level of vulnerability. Um, I mean, yeah. if you were to go back in time, so you're a parent and you're going back in time, you're thinking, all right, what advice would I give, you know, as a parent to say an eight-year-old and then a 13-year-old or an 18-year-old, or does it even have to be an age-specific thing? Can it just be, to go back in time, this is what my philosophy would be for any age what would it be as a parent yeah that is great that's a great question it's always a tough one to answer um but i i actually funnily enough got a got a message a few months ago on facebook of all places um based on the video, the videos and stuff i send and 
<laughs> this guy sent me a message and said, uh, what sort of stuff do you think I should be doing with my, with my four-year-old um, to make him the best rugby player? Um, and I was gobsmacked by, by that message in the first place. And I go, mate, your son's four years old. Uh, my <laughs> response, <laughs> yeah, my, my response was, um, let him be a child. That was my response, one line. Because sometimes, sometimes we forget that they have to go through these, these different experiences. We always want to be like Roger Federer right now. But we forget Roger Federer was all was four years old once upon a time, and what what that what did that look like? That didn't look like Roger Federer right now, for instance. Um, yeah, so for me, if I give that advice, it's um, I mean, if I have to give that advice for myself as a as a thirteen or eighteen year old, is um, look, you'd be faced with with a lot of adversity, but within adversity. There are some great learning opportunities, um, and you got to take those opportunities with with both hands, because um, uh, those opportunities and that adversity you face will make you ultimately will make you a better person in the long run. Um, I would properly say we got to expand these worlds we live in. Um, I spent uh, a lot of time within. The Harlequins under 18s, for instance, a, a lot of people want to be professional rugby players. I definitely fell in that trap. I was obsessed with being being a professional rugby player, and I forget about the rest of the uh, I forgot about the rest of the world. So, all my focus was on becoming this. Oh, all my focus was becoming uh, was based around playing for South Africa. So that's all I focused on, and and I forgot to I forgot to live. I forgot to distinguish. Uh, life's moments from sporting moments, um, and that's a big thing I'm 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 trying to instill within my coaching um, today is distinguishing between sporting moment and life moments because um, that sporting moments doesn't define who we are as people. It's only a sporting moment. You've lost. You're gonna walk away. No one's die, and we're gonna move on. And the world is totally different after that. Yeah, so I would um, want them to expand their brains, go and, go and figure out what excites you. Go and figure out who the people is that um, sets your soul on fire. Um, for me, back then, it was only about, about rugby. I needed to. I probably had talents I, I, didn't, I didn't explore back then. Uh, I always wanted to be involved in music. I was never... I thought music uh, was uh, when you did music in South Africa in the schools I grew up, you were not good at rugby. You were told that from, from an early age. So yeah, I'd say go and, go and expand, expand your world. Um, I would also refer them back to a story. One of my, my, um, my teammates told us in, before a very important game, um, and it's a story that forever is stacking with me and it's one that I use on a, on a regularly with my teams is so he reminded us as of um, <clears throat> the great opportunity we had in that moment of time uh, the opportunity we had to be able to participate and play um, this exciting game of rugby um, and he always reminded us as well that um, 
He has an older brother who sits with him back home. Um, when they watch rugby together, he always, he'll always say, I wish I had one more opportunity. This is the same brother who was going to be one of the superstars in South Africa from a rugby perspective, went out in his last year in school, went out on his motorbike in a crash, lost his leg, could never play the game again. Uh, so he reminded us about, about this story, the importance of taking every single moment, the importance of being ready when that opportunity comes comes round. Because um, when they sit down and, and they watch these games and, and he can see the tears in his brother's eyes where he, he sort of wishes he's got this, he's got this one moment again, but this is the moment you'll never have again. So be grateful for those for those moments. Um, and then probably one of the most important messages I would give that that young coach was uh, in 2016 I lost one of my one of my academy players to suicide. Um, and it's one of the the hardest things that that's hit me as a coach, um, he wasn't just an, an academy player. He was also one of my teammates at Richmond at the time when I made this bizarre comeback um, to rugby. But um, yeah, he was a great kid. Um, weeks before that, he had, we still had a, a, a really good conversation. Um, and not long after that, he took his own life. And it is the importance of relationships. Um, I couldn't see the signs and it's it's still until this day I I beat myself up about how I missed those signs. Um yeah, so so it's yeah, it's it's a big one for me to to constantly try and refine and explore and 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 keep building these human relationships and connections I make with people. So the advice would be very simple, go and explore those opportunities, learn from all the adversity, build every single relationship to the best of your of your ability um, and enjoy every, every moment because these things will shape you and it will make you a better person in the long run and that will be my, my short message. Um, <laughs> just to summarise, there's a lot of stuff in there but I think there was some... Yeah. That I think if we were to summarise, so this is like the golden nuggets from this conversation. Um, if you were to say sort of three, you know, maybe not three words because it's hard because you might you might have slightly more, but three sort of golden nuggets that you'd give um, for effective coaching, what would they be? Yeah, I, I, I would just stick with my with my three Bs. I think they are the most powerful ones for me. It's um, it's be curious. Curiosity, curiosity drives innovation. The more curious we are about stuff, the more we learn from that particular thing, the better we're going to get. And that thing we're getting better, the more we want to do that. So the more information and research we'll do, we'll do on that. And the more f people will feed off that. And, and if we can install that in our young people, it will be, it will we'll see them. They'll absolutely see the world differently. Be purposeful with everything we do. Um, clear intentions about why we do what we do. Um, and, and for me, I constantly refine and, and think hard about, about the way I coach. Why do I 
coach the way I coach. Um, hence why I can have these type of conversations because I had to spend a lot of time thinking and connecting the doc dots around my leadership. Why do I lead the way I lead? Why do I think the way I think? And it's, it's again, going back to the to how I grew up and the sort of stuff I want to instill in people. Uh, so be purposeful with everything we do. Um, and then, like like we highlighted, is, is be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. Um, put yourself out there, because the more we put ourselves out there and the more we ask people about about um, our performances and our feed and get feedback in terms of how we do stuff um, or or the level of vulnerability when you have to align with someone who perhaps think the way you think or doesn't think the way you think because um, these level of of information and stuff is ultimately going to make you better and if you make yourself better you're going to make the people better and that people will affect society in a different way um yeah so those free bees always fly around with me they always produce their different levels of honey so <laughs> i stick to them although i'm a vegan um i don't really eat honey so um if you if you were to so this is the final one um is if you were to describe an effective coach as a picture, what would it look like? An effective coach as a picture. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, it's it's one picture, one picture that tells my story, tells every story, and that's the picture of Nelson Mandela handing Francois Pina the trophy, the 1995 Rugby World Cup. That is my performance picture. That is my journey. That is my story. It reminds me where I come from. So I would say to people, find that picture that tells your story the best because stories shape behavior. And the more we can live in the story world, um, the more we can connect with our our inner child, uh, the more our brains and our our wills will expand. So, yeah, yeah, that's my picture. Go and find your picture um, would be my advice. Mate, thank you. Look, thanks so much, mate. (laughs) It's been, it's it's been, every time I talk to you, it's like, I could just (laughs) listen to this guy forever. He's great. Um, Be curious, be vulnerable, be purposeful and find your picture. I love it. Um, and thanks for coming on the show, Warren. It's been absolutely fantastic, mate. So, oh, no, thank thank you for having me. And um, yeah, it's uh, always great for all I can do. I always say this: I can just share my experiences. I can share what I've what I've learned. Um, and yeah, my mum always said to me, "Never settle for your situation." So, I don't settle for whatever situation I am. I try and make the best of that possible opportunity. So, no, thank you very much for having me. Hopefully there's some some cool nuggets in there for people to go and enjoy. Brilliant, mate. Cheers. <laughs>